This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Outfoxed in the first half before another cunning comeback. A serious case of deja vu as we return to the top two. This is Blue Monday. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering all things Ipswich Town since 2015. My name is Mikey Pensy-Smith and joining me just under 24 hours after Leicester City won, Ipswich Town won for this live match reaction show are Joe Fares and Craig Fimbo. Another memorable away day, Craig. Yeah, it was. And um, it's a it's always a nicer journey home. I don't care diverting through Peterborough on the way home when you've um, had a result and a, and a second half performance like that. You know, the, the journey home can take as long as it needs to take. Um, but yeah, it's it's just another one to, to add to the list of unforgettable away matches in the last uh, year. Cool. And Joe, uh, you you missed out on this one. You, you failed a late fitness test, as it were, didn't you? Um, yes. You didn't have to deal with the... A14. No, it's one of those ones that I just probably had, I was sort of due to be going and then probably had about 20 good reasons not to go, just work-wise, and it was like, oh, should I go? And I sort of pushed it as far as I could and then decided against it. And at the end of the game, my wife was like, oh, I bet you're glad you're not going now. You didn't go now. Now you're sort of ready to go to bed at half ten. I was like, no, I'd be happily sort of walking out of the ground after that. That sort of, that late equalise is what makes everything all worth it, isn't it? Yeah, it was a it was another good night. Um, maybe not a, an absolute classic, but it's always good having last minute limbs, isn't it, Craig? Yeah, you know, a win a win would have topped off, wouldn't it? But so I think, just in terms of the the way that the game panned out, you know, especially after that um, that first half, where you know we'll talk about it in a sec, but we didn't lay a glove on them, did we? But you know, just through, through the build up of the the second half, eventually reaching a bit of a a crescendo in in uh, both footballing terms and uh, song terms. Um, yeah, it was a it ended up as a good evening. Excellent. Yeah, let's let's get into talking about that game then. Um, let me find the Ipswich Town team. A couple of changes, I guess. The the headlines: Joe were Luongo returned, uh, but no place in the starting eleven for Nathan Broadhead. No, and um, I think there's been a, there's been a bit of talk in the build up to the game that Broadhead is going to be seen as not as the backup nine, so to speak, but as one of the nines at the moment. So I don't think you could probably play him for the first sixty minutes and play Jackson up front, and then when Jackson goes off, you then move Broadhead into that role, which is what we did against um, sort of Sunderland last week. But then he only lasted a few more minutes there. Then Harness had to come on to that role. So I think it's probably with one eye on that. He's maybe not been in the best form lately compared to how he was. So, yeah, just giving him some fresh legs coming on at the end of the game. I think that really did help because he came on and looked really sharp, as, as, you'd, as you'd hope he would on a game like that. And, and Craig, were you pleased to see Lewis Travers alongside Luongo? Quite a 
defensive choice, wasn't it? Stuart Watson commented, but I think it was the obvious one, wasn't it, with Lomongo available? Yeah, I think so. I think Travis was always going to play. It's just regarding who was going to play alongside him, I suppose. You know, you're not going to um, take out the guy who's got 200-odd championship games under his belt, are you? In a, in a game like that, it seemed pretty much um, made for him. But I say it's just a pleasant surprise to see Luongo back, really, considering he was having scans on his ankle and bits and pieces um, last week. And to not only start the game, but also to... You know, play, being a midfield two against a midfield three and, and last the entire game speaks volumes, to be fair. With a key contribution late on in the game, which we'll get onto, won't we? We'll see, this This is a, a flagship show and a live match reaction show with uh, loads of people in the chat. Um, I'm going to try and bring up comments where I can. And um, if you want to get questions in, we'll, we'll go through those when we've um, talked about the game in a little bit more detail. Uh, let's have a look at the the Leicester City team. Bit of a strange one for me. So, first of all, Kieran Jews- Kiernan Jewsbury Hall, um, as we all predicted, was starting in his usual sort of free role in midfield. The weird one for me, Joe, is Hamza Chowdhury playing at left back and Ricardo playing in central midfield. It was so strange because it's like they completely flipped their team what played which we played against on boxing day and even even though chowdhury was sort of nominally at left back at times he was it was almost like a two three five at certain points where they just went man for man at the back the two went there and you like i say you say ricardo was in midfield probably for 40 minutes the first 40 minutes he was ahead of tom cannon for most of the game he was just playing so high it was just such a such a fluid formation there was so much movement and changes it's almost like Maresca tried to totally sort of excuse the pun outfox us with just changing players, switching about, playing players so out of position. And I think I think the only two players that struggled with that on our side were probably Massimo Luongo and Lewis Travis, really, that they just really struggled to get to grips with it at times. Yeah, they did, didn't they? It was a re- it was a, a very difficult start to the game, wasn't it, Craig? Because Leicester they're sort of swarming all over us and mm-hmm. we we had a lot of goal kicks where we had to, well, we we try and play out, don't we? I think in the second half of the Boxing Day game against Leicester, we went direct a few more times. And now and again, Edmondson would try and play a diagonal ball across to Wes Burns because he was getting himself into some pretty good positions, but we never quite executed that diagonal ball. Um, but yeah, this was a, a really difficult game to be a, um, or certainly a difficult first half to be a central midfielder for Ipswich, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. As you say, they they were pushed, just pushed right, right up on us, weren't they? At, at all times, and even <clears throat> when we managed to, um, or when Halecki managed to dink the ball over the central fields into Harness, there was that one occasion where he sort of cushioned it into Harness on the edge of the um, centre circle. Harness had a touch; he had two two guys on it, nick the ball off him within one pass. It's into Cannon to have a shot on goal. You know, they were just yeah. as Jesse just swarming us really for that for that first half. Um, and I suppose we were just uh, just to get to a point whereby we were still in the game, you know, when hopefully they they run out a, a little bit of puff. But there just there was just a difference, wasn't there, in that first half in terms of um, the physicality and the intensity um, of Leicester. And you now, to be fair to our guys, they're they're not going to be able to match it if a team like Leicester decide that they're going to turn it on. I'm not saying they were all over us and had goals goal chances galore but if they're going to press us and they're going to be in our faces and they're going to be that intense physically we are we are going to struggle with it yeah yeah and and I think it's fair to say that uh, we did struggle a little bit at times in the first half um Clark and Luongo had to make last ditch tackles in our area um Hladke made a really good save on 26 minutes that was because I was sort of saying to my mate like they're well on top of us here but they haven't really for Sladkid to do anything yet. But yeah, that's Chowdhury moving into midfield, isn't it? And cutting in, really good shot. Really decent two-handed save, um, which seems to be Sladkid's save of choice. Um, our best move of the half comes down our left. Uh, Leaf Davis cross falls at the feet of Jackson. He tees up Chaplin, Joe. It's, he's in the right part of the, the pitch, isn't he? But that pass from Jackson was sort of hammered at him, wasn't it? And it was kind of in between his feet. He wanted to hit it first time, but it wasn't really on in the end, was it? 
I, th- I think the pass was okay. It just took a just took a little bounce up into it when Chaplin hit it, and I say that. But that was a, that was a decent chance. It's one you'd expect Chaplin to hit the target with, wasn't it? And uh, that almost reminded me, like obviously to not totally denigrate Kieran McKenna, but almost like of a Mick McCarthy away game where you're sort of sitting back, stopping them doing anything, and you're going long, and you're just hoping to get one chance, aren't you? And take that chance. We had we had a few little half openings, but it, but it felt like we obviously had this plan of trying to get to sort of 60 65 minutes still in the game and then unleash the subs as i'm sure we'll talk about shortly and it it felt like we were trying to do that but then it's almost like we were a little bit too trying to stay in the game if that makes sense in that a lot of times like burns had the ball he wins a header and he gets ahead of the man and then stops and came back and jackson would stop and come back so it's almost like they were so nervous about sort of being caught out on the break from leicester that we sort of ended up pushing up and then as soon as it broke down, our first instinct was to almost come come straight back to start again and try and pull Leicester out to hit them on the break again. Like we were looking to try and manufacture the perfect counter-attacking goal like the one we scored away against Derby last season, for example. And I don't know, it just felt like we just showed them a little bit too much respect in that regard. Hmm. Yeah, and by doing that, we did get cut open eventually, Craig. Um, talk us through Leicester's opening goal. It was a really good move, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And they, they exploited the gap that was uh, left in, you know, in real time. If you like, it didn't. It wasn't like a pre-planned. Well, maybe a pre-planned move, but Wolfen got dragged out wide with um, Cannon into Clark's space, and Clark had then swapped and covered Wolfen in the middle. Um, fair play, but Cannon then drifts inside, and Wolfen follows him. But Clark's a little bit slow in returning the favour and getting back out to his right back slot. And there, therefore, as a result, there's a bit of a gap over there um, for Mavididi. And he plays a 1-2, gets into the box. And pretty similar carbon copy of a goal a few weeks back at Leeds. The ball's flashed across the area. Hlaki gets a slight touch to it. But poor old Leafs pretty much square on to the goal. And it um, hits him and drops into the net. Um, there's been some discussion about whether he could have done better with it, reacted better, uh, you know, uh, maybe predicted it was going to happen and get himself to a position more side-on to clear the ball rather than just, you know, face on. It wasn't as if he was sprinting into the goal and, you know, had a, had a def- uh, an attacker on his back and therefore had very little opportunity to do anything else, but just one of those things, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, as you guys said, that it it, it was coming um, over, just over the course of the, the half, you know, the without really testing Halaki too much. Um, the, just the, the pressure and the intensity was just too much in the end, unfortunately. Yeah, I quite often, um, when a defender does something like that, I'll um, say what I might have tried to do differently. Um, in this case, I would have got my feet in a muddle and ended up swiping at the ball and probably would have picked out the top corner rather than just letting it dribble down the middle of the goal. I thought this one was um, less avoidable than the one at Leeds. I thought that one, he was maybe a little bit more culpable. Um, this one, I think he was just flat-footed by Gladke getting that that touch onto the ball. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the, the, the touch wasn't a huge, huge deflection, was it? Really, it was. It was a yeah. minimal deflection. But you know, he's obviously, <laughs> I could say, he's in the right place. Well, he's not in the right place because he's stuck at the back of the net twice. Um, but he's they're always being coached to be in those positions when the ball is in that area of the goal uh, area of the area to be in the middle of the goal to defend it. But he just needs he needs to get his feet sorted a little bit quicker. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I'm probably more up. sort of. I'm not saying he should have done better, but he, sh- he probably should have done a bit better with it, if that makes sense, in that I think he was running back, but ultimately, what is what is he doing running back there, if that makes sense? It, if Hladke if doesn't touch the ball, it's still going to hit him, it's still going to go in. He's not got his body sort of turned in any way to face ball. Is he just trying to get back on the line for a second phase? I, I don't know, but I'd be, I'd, I'd be amazed if there isn't um, some learning point teaching point from McKenna and his staff with Davies with regards to position when he's coming in to cover that cross as opposed to just running straight back and having the ball potentially hit you and go in without being able to get side on I'd like some I don't know I don't know technically what they'll do but I'd I'd be very surprised if there isn't some discussion about that because it's happened twice now and they've both been 
ones where he just hasn't even almost reacted to as he the balls just hit him and gone in and that they, they weren't it wasn't exactly flashed across was it it was a it was hit across with some pace and Haladi got a small touch in it but yeah I, I think Davis would be disappointed and probably that that would be something that would need to be picked up I'd imagine yeah let's let's move on from that one then um Wes Burns has an effort just for half time where he, he he squares up the the full back and Cuts inside, really positive play, um, shoots over the bar, um, cutting in from the left and curling a shot. Not really, not really his bag, is it, Craig? He, he likes to be able to lash at shots um, from from the other side of the pitch. Not not an area that he co- often finds himself in down the left, is it? No, that's right. But but as you as you wrote said, Mikey, before he he was, I say our only bright spot in that first bright spark. In the attacking sense, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was. He was the outlet, wasn't he? Um, as you said, whether it be the, the crossfield ball to his head or whether it just simply be getting the ball to him and he was um, getting past his man a fair few times. But as we said, you know, getting the ball into a box, which was pretty sparsely populated. Um, interestingly, I, I when I got home last night, I just quickly... Um, well, watched a lot of the game, but I watched the like the halftime comments on Town TV from Sam Morsey and Matt Holland. And Morsey was having a little bit of a go at Jackson actually for not nailing the goalkeeper for that opportunity where he went to close him down. Um, and as as Joe was saying, you know, you've just got to take what very little opportunities you are going to get in a game like that. You've really got to try and make the most of whatever scraps that you're uh, you're dealing with, haven't you? Um, but as I say, yeah, Burns Burns was very much the uh, the bright spark bright spot in that first half from an attacking perspective yeah and early on early on in the second half he very nearly finds the equaliser from a recycled set piece gets a decent contact this time and it's a it's a really good save from the Leicester goalkeeper um we're just from the word go we're we're just far more positive and a lot more aggressive very similar to the the Leicester game at home where Clark is taking an extra couple of touches and being a little bit more direct and and we're just taking a few more chances, aren't we? And uh, speaking of which, we then make the first two changes. Sarmiento Sar- comes on um, alongside Taylor for Harness and Travis. Not an easy game for for those two, really, Joe, was it? No, I, I didn't think it. I didn't think it worked for Harness last night in the role he ended up in because he almost ended up as a as the only central player. As Jackson sort of was quite wide left and Burns was quite wide right, and sort of him and Chaplin were almost like a pair of. I wouldn't like to say false nines, but they were almost sort of playing central roles, weren't they? He wasn't he wasn't on that left hand side role which he'd been playing previously and the ball just didn't really stick with him. I think maybe Jack Taylor would have been a better solution in there because he'd have maybe been able to drop into the midfield free a bit more and give us a little bit more help in there. But no, it, it wasn't the game for Harness last night. So I say he moved him on. Travis, I think there was just so much movement around him. It was so difficult to keep up and and we obviously miss Morsey with that ball out, the sort of straight ball out from the back. He's not as comfortable taking those as Sam is. He hasn't learned the patterns to play yet. But I think he's still worked hard. He won a few of his tackles. Yeah, he maybe could have yep. done better for the first goal. Probably a little bit of unlucky. But yeah, he's he's come in and he's come in and filled a gap. And I'd say it's probably an an improvement on Don Ball sort of straight away, isn't he? Which is what he's there to do. And I think our central midfield is looking better now than it was at the start of the month. He does. He, yep. He's done what he's... What we knew he would do, wasn't he? When speaking to Dan from the the Blackburn pod, uh, the guy spoke to when he signed, he, he pretty much played exactly as he was due to be playing. You know, he's not as good on the ball as uh, Morsey is, um, but he's probably better on the ball than Don Ball. So he's sort of, as Joe said, he's sort of bridging that gap between the between the two of them. Um, and as Paul Wright says, there he's had a couple of, a couple of. Uh, High intensity games to to get to grips with pretty much straight away, considering he hasn't been playing an awful lot of football. To be to be starting two games on the trot like that is, uh, yeah, been pretty um, high ask. Yeah, definitely. It was always go- always going to be difficult, but he's he's come in and we haven't lost lost either game. So yeah, he's had a, um, a successful start to his his town career in some respects. Um, I want to talk about this wonderful piece of distribution from. Um, Hladke. Um It's not the technical term, but in golf, I like to call this sort of low floaty, low flighted shot as a piss missile, Craig. Uh, I don't know what the cricket expression is for, for a daisy cutter like that, but he absolutely fizzes a ball out to Harry Clark or in front of Harry Clark. He runs onto it at, at real pace 
And he's he's usually really good in these situations, Clark. But I think he gets caught in two minds a little bit, and in the end, doesn't really commit to to one thing or the other, and he cuts it back and. Fez is able to get back and and clear it up, but yeah, how much did you in, enjoy um, seeing that that ball out from the from the away end? Yeah, and and I say seeing it from the away end, we all had the perfect view of it, didn't we? The, yeah, the gap close. opened up and it was hit straight towards us. But Clark's calling for it from a long way out as well, isn't he? You, know, you can see him on the replay that he's calling for it from within his own half, and then starts to sprint, and you see the gap and out. But as you say about the technique to hit it that far and that straight is the thing that to have to cut across it in such a way to keep it straight because you know as we know if you hit a ball normally in commas, like normal laymen do it naturally just curls doesn't it it's from hitting with the instep of your foot it'll curl uh the way that way but to be able to, to have the technique to cut across it and just hit it like a dart straight as an arrow so in, low that, as well. in that gap yeah never more than two or three foot above the grass was uh yeah it was absolutely brilliant and um, it also got picked up on the on the commentary and stuff, but yeah, to, it was just a shame that Clark couldn't quite. Um, I think it was, was it Broadhead he was looking to pick out on the edge of the box, maybe Chaplin uh, at that point. Um, yeah, just unfortunately he didn't manage to uh, to complete it. But yeah, it just it just goes to show what he's apart from the saves he was making. Um, we know he's got that as well. I think I think the problem that Clark had was that. I think you almost you want to draw the man in and pull it back, don't you? That's what he's looking to do. But but nobody comes over to engage him. And so he's still looking to pull the ball back. But really, he probably should have just carried on driving towards the goal and seeing if it carried on opening up for him just to have a have a dig, basically. He could have had an assist for Vass as well with that ball, which would have been great. But no, it, it, I, I just think he he wanted to do the cross, and but the cross wasn't the right option at the time because no, nobody engaged him. And... Uh... Ladke chose his his other value as well, the shot stopping. Um, really good save from from Cannon. Um, quite similar to the one in the first half there. Nathan Broadhead and Amari Hutchinson then then come on for for Chaplin and Jackson, who had both worked hard, but nothing really uh, came off of them in the final third. And we start to connect a little bit at this point in the final third, don't we, Joe? We're landing on the ball a little bit more and just being positive. There's a few sort of flicks um, and a couple of tricks from the from the number 10s. And basically, it looked like McKenna at this stage is saying, right, I'm going to put all of my attacking ball players on there at once. And and it was quite fun to watch, wasn't it? And there was just a lot more energy in there, wasn't there? They were all, they were all getting on the ball and all pressing and harrying. And we were double teaming players when they were getting the ball. And they really, yeah. really struggled to get out of that point. And if there was maybe a little bit of better decision-making from Nathan Broadhead a couple of times, we might have ended up scoring earlier because a couple of times he got there and got into good positions and had Wes Burns sort of screaming for it on the outside and elected to shoot. But I say he's a striker. He's there. He's, he wants to shoot when he gets the ball. So you're not going to criticise players for that. But no, He'd we probably we just... been told to try and get shots off as well when he came on, wasn't he? So Yeah, and like I say, we just, we just stepped up a gear there and they just could not find a way through there. They, they really seemed to tire at that point and didn't, I don't know, but they just didn't have the right options on the bench to bring on. and But we really caused them issues and they were, from being sort of totally in control, we took total control over the game for the last well, probably like 20, 25 minutes, really. Yeah, we did indeed. Clark um, got in behind again. This time, um, he just whips the low cross across the box and it sort of takes a bit of a deflex- deflection, bumps up onto the hand of Vestergaard. That's not a penalty by the letter of the law, is it, Craig? I never no, know it looked, looked, as, <laughs> looked as clear. It looked as clear as a bell from the away end. To be fair, I was screaming blue murder that that um, that wasn't you given do, at that because, point because they are like you. It's, you have to. You could file it under seeing them given, but it's bounced off another body part and hit his hand. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't really make it, but it's one of those ones where you see it hit and you see the the arm. You can't see Mike. The hand react because it's been hit. So you can see it's actually yeah. hit the hand because the hand gets knocked back by the ball. If you see what I mean. Um, but, just, but those, as Joe said about the subs, I thought Hutchison was really, really good when he came on. He just got the ball and ran straight through the middle of the pitch at them, didn't he? And was creating all sorts of um, panic in their in their defence just by virtue of being so, so direct with the ball. Yeah, he definitely enjoyed the challenge of being up against top opponents, wanted to, wanted to prove himself in, in that position. And I think Sarmiento, very, very similar vein. They mm. were both taking the ball on the back foot uh, there were a couple of talking points. Um, let, let's talk before we get into the the equalising goal. 
let's talk about the the Harry Clark yellow. We've we've covered the Ipswich potential penalty shout. I'm guessing the other penalty shout is the Keen and Dewsbury fall. Joe, um, do you want to? Which one do you want to talk about first, Joe? Well, I'll take the Dewsbury Hill one because that was just a, a dive, wasn't it? He's he's gone out there and he's he's fought contact is coming and Luongo. They showed one angle on the TV, which they didn't put in the highlights, but Luongo sort of goes in and as he gets there, he sort of just pulls his foot back and just just pulls out the challenge. Dewsbury Hall throws himself to the floor, and then the ref is right over it. And he gets up and he goes mad at the ref. And you just think, you know, you've dived. Like, how can you, you're not going to get it now. And it's, and like I said, I thought he was a bit of a dick all night, Jewsbury Hall, wasn't he? He's in the refs here and his teammates here. He just didn't, he seemed to be, need to be taken down a peg or two, really, I think, from inside the camp as well as outside it. And I say just, and almost, I almost think when Clark challenged Fez in the first half, I know Fez just fell over and he looked like he stumbled over. But I think he was trying to play for a penalty there, but Clark just doesn't slide anywhere near him. He sort of drops himself on the floor, but gets up really quickly because he knows it's not a foul. But they, he was looking for a penalty there all day. And both of them were just two excellent pieces defended where they're knowing when to pull out, not to slide at them. And yeah, no, like I say, but I think Dewsbury Hill should have been a clear booking for diving because it's right in front of the ref and he's just chucks himself on the ground. Yeah, let's talk about the the Harry Clark tackle then, Craig, because that that was a, a a really enjoyable one to watch from from the away end. Uh, my first instinct, and I and I hate the fact that he was booked for this, but my first instinct was that maybe he it was excessive force potentially. Am I a bit of a snowflake for thinking that, Craig? Well, I think. You can you can see why the ref has booked him because it is a hard hard tackle and you could sort of think well he's working on the assumption that he's caught there's an element of the tackle that has caught the player and if their element of the tackle has caught the player then it's an excessive force but he doesn't touch the player does he he's he's sl- sliding in along the floor with one foot so you know he's sort of can tick off the boxes about it being a jump into the tackle and being out of control. It's neither of those two things. It's pretty much the perfectly timed slide tackle. And I don't understand why Why is Dewsbury Hall holding the middle of his shin if, A, he hasn't been touched and Clark's just got the ball and kicked the ball into touch. Dewsbury Hall's rolling around holding the middle of his the middle of his shin where his shin pad is. I don't understand why he's why he's doing it. If someone can explain to me to that in the in the in the comments, that'd be great. Um, and to be fair, I I don't know who who was on co-commentary. Don Goodman last night on co-commentary. He, whoever it was, was said at the time, "Oh, that's a that's a foul. It's a yellow card." But then once they'd looked at it on the replay, they're like, "That's a perfectly timed slide tackle. It's an embarrassment that um, Judy Hall's rolling around and it shouldn't be a yellow card." So that's that's the way I saw it. Is that you can see why they've done it. And if the refs work on the assumption that he got any of the player, but it transpires that he didn't. Yeah, Sam Sam Jolly says, Brandon Williams did similar at Portman Road with arms raised to crowd immediately after no yellow. I actually think that that tackle from Brandon Williams where there was, wasn't was even a foul given was worse than this one, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree because I know people like the Brandon Williams tackle and it was good at the time, but a part of me did think like we're what, we'd like 4-2 up in the last minute here. What a... You're risking yourself because that was an out of control tackle for me. Yeah, you got the ball, but you had to get man with it. But like Craig said on the Harry Clark one last night, he, do- he doesn't touch him at all. He just gets nothing but ball and he goes underneath the ball. And also, Dewsbury Hall sort of is electing to turn back into him as well rather than mm. try and go past him. So it's almost like he's turned back to try and get the contact. He doesn't get any contact. And he, like I say, rolls around like he's been shot. Yeah, an embarrassing performance from a good player. Yeah, um, Romeo says the same. Yeah, he's he's not particularly popular amongst the Ipswich fan base. I don't think he was particularly popular after the Portman Road game, but went down in my estimation last night, says Romeo, for top player, but didn't need the rest of the antics. So I, I watched Dewsbury Hall twice last season for, for Leicester, and both times I thought he was excellent, but he was a completely different player to the one that he is now. He Just the way that he carried himself... Um, I'm I'm sure that he wasn't someone that wore low socks with tic tac shin pads, 
and he was an industrious player that covered every blade of grass. Technically good off that left foot, but but really just a, a hard-working box-to-box midfielder. He seems to have reinvented himself <laughs> down in the championships as sort of this Jack Grealish light almost, um, Craig. But he's a bloody good player, isn't he? Yeah, and, and he was finding a bloody lot of space in the first half as well, wasn't he? That yeah. About 35 yards out, he pretty much had the the run of that band right across the pitch he was picking up the, the ball in all sorts of um, space luckily not on the same wavelength as um as his fellow attackers um you know as we were saying about it being a bit of a tough a tough first half for Travis and Moores he was by virtue of that you know they were the heads were spinning trying to work out who to uh who to grab hold of so yeah luckily for us they weren't on the same wavelength but yeah he's a, he's a good player and but we've pretty much kept him quiet for those two matches haven't we yeah, we did a we did a good uh, job on him. Uh, as, as soon as he as soon as he went off, they they really bad. struggled because they they just couldn't. They had no one getting on the ball, knitting the play together. He he was so important to, mm. to the way they play. Like you you took him out of that team, and it just looked a shadow of itself. Winks was very very quiet. I thought last night. Yeah, he was nowhere near as good as as he was in the Portman Road game. There was one point though where he outpaced. Um, Amari Hutchinson, which was quite interesting, <laughs> but I think that that was probably just the yard, the yard up here, um, rather than uh, any physicality. Let's get into the good bit. Um, Hladke made another good save um, near the end, where he's he's come off his line really well and denied mm. McAteer. Um into the final minute, though, Craig, um, and we s- spring some really nice passes around just to force that half chance from the edge of the box to talk us through this goal a, a scrappy finish but actually a really nice move yeah and it, it and it wasn't you didn't sort of notice it at the time but looking back you know there's a good 9 10 11 passes that that lead up to the the shot from Luongo um but even around us I don't know if it's the same where you where you were stood Mikey but you know the the fans around us were all match it was it was noise wasn't it it was it was songs it was support and there just seemed to be a feeling, and as we know from watching this team for the last year, that they don't give up. And there were plenty of people around around me saying, "We just need, just need one, just give us one chance between now and the end of the game." You know, and the clock was ticking down and ticking down. You think, oh, "Balls, it's not going to, it's not going to come." Um, and it sort of started up right at the back where Wolfden um, nicks the ball off Vardy and gets it back to uh, Hlagki, and then we sort of just set and build again, and it gets popped into. Into midfield, into Hutchison, who does a nice little flick to Broadhead. It works its way out wide to uh, Davis, who takes a couple of touches. And by this time, Broadhead's made a good run into the box. And Davis just waits, doesn't he, until he's in that position, found himself a little bit of space and manages to uh, find him just inside the box. And it's a great first touch from Broadhead, just to kill it stone dead. Twist, and then Luongo's, again, found a bit of space on the edge of the box, knocks it back, and Luongo has a shot. I can't, I couldn't work out whether... Just by virtue of the ball, it dips and swerves a little bit, or whether it's just taken slight nick um, on its way through, and it sort of just seems to wrong foot Hermanson, doesn't it, a little bit? Um, who then plops it straight back out into the into the middle of the goal, and our friend Jeremy, whose magic you know, um, is on on uh, hand to have a little leap in the air, get a, get on top of the ball, and just just about force it force it home luckily but the silly sod goes and runs to the wrong corner flag doesn't he after scoring yeah, yeah little little bit of a disappointment that joe but we'll, <laughs> we'll let him off won't we for the for the last minute equalizer yeah like i say the keeper he like i say it's one of the it's one of those ones where you probably don't want to push it out straight in the middle of the goal but he gets up quickly but it's almost like he gets up too quickly that he then ends up getting over the ball doesn't yeah. he then sort of goes under him because he jumps up to get it and like Sarmiento does well to keep it down. And I'd say my first instinct was, oh, it's got to be offside. He looks yeah. miles off because he's in the middle of it. But obviously Chowdhury's mm-hmm. playing him. I think somebody else is playing him on too. I think there's two playing him on, but Chowdhury's so deep. But he sort of runs off. He does take a look back at the linesman. And then, but no, great, great impact for him. And I thought, I thought he, I wouldn't say the performance deserved a goal, but I thought he was really good coming on. And he like both him and Hutchins, and we mentioned it before, but they both were really working hard off the ball, getting their tackles in, pushing hard. And they, their touch, their passing, their control is just on a different level to anything we've got in the squad, really, isn't it? That's a Premier League quality. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed that one, Craig. Absolute 
absolute mm. limbs in the away yeah. end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it'd be, it'd be, and it's a great song he's got, um, which was being sung over and over and over again, wasn't it? That's been picked up on all the various socials. Um, it's just interesting to see how those two are used, really, won't it, um, over the next few league games? At least I'd imagine they may well both start in the in the cup game on the, at the weekend. But going forward, they make, it's just one of those horrible situations from their perspective. They make such an impact coming on for that last half hour or so. Would they make as big an impact starting for the in playing for the first hour? It's it's in, intriguing to see how they're going to be uh, pl- used and, and played for the next few next month or so, maybe. Yeah, definitely will be interesting. Um, this is the momentum from from last night. Um, you can see we had a, we had a little spell after half time, didn't we? And a, a decent spell at the end of the game. Um, can't say I really remember Leicester bat- battering us at any point in the second half, but they were they were on top for for a decent spell, I suppose. Um, let's have a look at the the stats. So forty four percent possession, I think, is pretty good at um, the King Power Craig. Um, expected yeah. goals, yeah, um, pretty even, isn't it? Go, yeah, pretty even stuff. Um, obviously, they had more more shots on target, but yeah, I think. Ben Ben's pointed out a couple of times that Leicester aren't the type of team that are going to just absolutely hammer you and bang the door down, getting loads and loads of shots off and create loads and loads of chances. That's not really mm. their style. They try and control the game. Um, but I think the Leicester fans probably feel a little bit frustrated that they they didn't go for the jugular Joe and just put the game to bed. Yes, they've, been, half. <laughs> they've been caught a few times with late goals, but I think all teams do. But they, they didn't they didn't see much urgency to try and score a second goal there. It seemed mostly that they were happy just with one nil and if another goal came, it came, but they weren't they weren't really going to push for it. They were more interested in sort of defending in shape, defensive positioning, keeping it going that way. And it, it, it did just allow us to get back in the game, but then they still created a decent chance in the second half. But I think the interesting thing was that the XG was very similar, but the sort of expected goals on target, they were very high on, because, and they had sort of some small chances that they turned into good efforts at goal, effectively. So like the Chowdhury one, it's a shot from 25 yards for a, body, for a lot of bodies, but he sort of bends it into the top corner and Ladke gets across similar with Cannon and the, sh- the shots he had there. They, their finishing was very good, but they came up against an inspired keeper and they just didn't they, they just didn't push on and they, they just allowed us back in the game and where our subs made us better, their subs made them worse as well. Hmm. Which was similar to the, the home game, wasn't it? Um, their, their, their performance, more so from their subs, their performance fell off when they made their substitute appearance, we grew more into the game after their, ironically, after their substitutions. And I think there has been a little bit of frustration from Leicester fans about not pushing on and maybe settling in for that 1-0 a little bit, maybe too early, because there was a lot of time being taken, wasn't there, Mike, over free kicks and throw-ins and goal kicks, and the referee was forever pointing at his watch and telling him to hurry up without doing anything about it. And that was pretty early, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the the other results, uh, the league table, and uh, we're going to try and answer some of your questions as well after this from our sponsor. Innovation Labs, providing co-working and innovation hubs across East Anglia. We're the perfect place for remote workers, freelancers, startups, or innovators to do business. Our unique member network creates extensive business development and collaboration opportunities. Hot desks are available from £20 a day or £99 per month, with business coaching also available from £50. Innovation Labs, turning your ideas into multi-million pound businesses. Located in Stoma Market Ipswich Sudbury with new sites in Fetford, Norwich, and Kuala Lumpur opening soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, 
protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC Match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There we are. Let's get into the the other results, chaps. Um, uh, Leeds United, that late penalty. Um, that, that looked like a big moment for them. Um, EFL uh, conspiracy. <laughs> Ryan Lowe wasn't happy about it. He came out talking about how he's going to speak to the ref, and it's like, come on, like it's it's probably one of the most obvious penalties you'll ever see. There's no way that penalty wasn't going to be given as soon as the ref saw it. Straight in, if it was VAR, it would have been given. But he seemed furious about it. And a a, a big win in the early kickoff on Saturday for for Southampton over Swansea. Apparently, they were scintillating going forward, but but. We're a little bit dodgy at the back at times. Um, I guess we've got to talk about the shock result of the weekend. That's probably Norwich beating West Brom 2-0. A couple of good results for for Norwich. Um, Mm. It's probably gone a little bit quiet on the Wagner out stuff now. Um, They're not too far off the playoff places. Another decent win for for Coventry. They're going to be up there for the long haul, it seems. Um, let's take a look at the league table, though. Obviously, we had dropped out of the top two. We dropped a third after Southampton's win, and Lisa closed the gap on us. Um, but that is how it looks after match 28. Leicester on top. They've only drawn three games this season. Um, but we're one of the teams that managed to do that. Uh, they're on 66 points. Um, we're... Just hot on their heels, aren't we, on 59 points. That's one point ahead of Southampton, who do now have a superior goal difference on us. Um, and then Leeds have closed the gap to five points. We're 14 points clear of, of West Brom and 16 points clear of Coventry. How are you feeling about that league table now? Because it it's we've, lo- we've lost that lead, haven't we, that we had over teams, but happy to just be back in the top... Top two after dropping out, Craig? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you think that one-point lead over Southampton come Easter Monday, is it? That'll be four points, and we'd have eradicated the goal difference in one foul swoop, won't we? Um, I'd much rather be sitting in second than sitting anywhere between, is it sixth and tenth that are covered by about two or three points? Um, yeah, I think I'd rather be fighting our our battle than uh, than that scrap which is going on a little bit further down the table um but as you know we referenced ben earlier as as ben has said you know that we're ticking off these games and what we have to do now is match southampton and if southampton decide to have another 21 matches unbeaten and pick up 2.6 points per game there's not an awful lot we can do about that apart from the game that we play against them but as we all know they've got some tricky games albeit they don't seem to be in a in a clump, if you like. They seem to be spread out across the remaining games of the season. Um, but we know that they've got to play everyone away, um, whereas we've played uh, two of the top four home and away um, and just got one more to play at home. So I'm as positive as we have been, really. But that, that lead was never going to remain as big as it as it had been, um, teams are going to get on a run, especially teams with the depth and the quality that these guys have got around us. 
we just need to ride out and see where we are. You know, so if, if Southampton happened to overtake us, then fair play to them. But to be in and around and anywhere near them, I think should be taken as a massive, massive, massive positive. Yeah, and we've got, like I said, we've got one thing in our in our favour, and that's we know how to plot and win a well, not a, a promotion race where you where you're going to get where you're going to need to get probably in the mid nineties of points to get out of the league. We know how relentless it will be for the rest of the season, and we've we've done that before. We've, the whole squad has done that. Basically, the manager's done it. Where when you look at Southampton, sort of Russell Martin, yeah, he's doing fantastically, and they look superb. But I think if you actually in if you look at who they've played and we've played. When you look at the comparative fixtures, we're actually on top of that by some distance as well. They've they've got a harder they've got harder games to come than we do. We've got the pressure. We've got the probably less pressure on us. We've got managers done it before. Martin's probably finished four seasons in mid table across Swansea and MK Dons. Looking at their squad, there's no one jumping out as me as players who have won promotions before, um, but. Obviously, they've got huge, huge amounts of quality in there. If the squad, if the sort of league table is going to be decided purely on quality, we're going to be nowhere near them. But it's not. It's going to be decided on mental fortitude and will our mental fortitude and the mental strength that we've shown and continue to show will that be enough? Maybe, maybe not. But we're going to be bloody close, whatever it is. And the, and as you say, Joe, the pressure's more on them than it than it is on us. You know, we're sort of got a, not a free pass or a free hit, but. There's far more pressure on teams that need to go up um, this year than there is us. And we still have lost the fewest amount of games out of everyone in the division. How do they, how do they react when there is adversity? Because there, there will be. They will lose a game they shouldn't lose. Will they be able to bounce back from it? We, they haven't been tested on that for a long time. So we'll see. Like I say, they've got to go to Leicester. They've got to go to Leeds. They've got to go to West Brom. They've got to go to Ipswich. And... And like I said, at the moment, we're not even talking about Leeds here. We're just talking about purely us and Southampton. But yeah, if you'd have offered any Ipswich fan this position, everyone would have bitten your hand off for it. If you'd have offered us this at the start of the month when on Boxing Day when George Hurst got injured and we said, by the end of January, you're still going to be in the top two, everyone would have taken it with... I'd say it's, it's not been pretty this month. It, it hasn't been our best month results-wise. But when you look at what we've had to get over to get to this stage, we've missed Sam Morsey for three games. We've missed George Hurst all month. We've missed Cameron Burgess all month. We've missed Massimo Luongo. Leif Davis missed a couple of games. We've had that sort of stupid Christmas period where we just had too many... There was just too many games for a squad of sort of any one size. And we just didn't... Let's say we're in, a, we're in a great position. I think we're now sort of getting into that home run and hopefully we can have a as good an end to the season as we did last year from February onwards. <laughs> Would be nice, wouldn't it? Let's get into some of these questions. Um, Steve Wright asks, did Ben have to sit on his hands when he scored? Um, being in with the Leicester supporters, Ben is an absolute model professional, probably. I don't know how he does it. I, I always watch his videos yeah. and he's he's talking into his phone with people behind him looking at his phone. I think they must know, they must twig, but no, fair play, he's, uh, gets away with it. Yeah, and yeah, just incredibly professional the way he does it uh we had a leicester fan um pop in joe uh very briefly andreas kipriano just came in to say you did not deserve it i think um, he's related think to Peter brian oh it's either that or he's talking about the the yellow card for harry clark i'm not sure not sure which <laughs> one but yeah um the bit the bit of brian it's been um doing the rounds on the on the socials i believe craig you the same as me got back into your car um Put Talksport on, and they were, and it was Jason Cundy and Jamie O'Hara, and they were chatting about the Ipswich game, and they were having great fun with this Leicester fan, um, Brian, who just would not um, congratulate Ipswich on their point or accept <laughs> that they're doing well at all. It was really good. Please do check it out on um, yeah. Talksport socials if you haven't seen it already. That was um, that was um, a good bit of radio fun, wasn't it, Craig? It was it was really really good. I don't. I'm not a huge listener to talk sport. To be perfectly honest, I listen to the guys Hawksby and Jacobs in the afternoon. And that's pretty much it. But driving home, I was like, oh, sorry, I'll give it a go. There's not a lot else to listen to that time of night. And they, they, those two saw me home for three hours, pretty much. I walked in the door as they they were finishing at one a.m. Um, and it was yeah, it was really fun. And they were winding him up, and they kept bringing him back. And there were other Leicester fans coming on and telling him to shut up. There was a few really good Ipswich um, fans come on as well and, and yeah. chatted really well about the game. And they just kept yeah, he's Bryce, yeah, he's still he's still right. Get him back on here. And Cundy was in his absolute element. Him and R, they they worked really well. Actually, it's, it's a good laugh. Yeah, it was good fun. That um, Paul Westlake says, "I love the spirit." May 
as well, go for it and lose two or three, but might get something which turned out which turned out to be the case. Yeah, really positive one. Right, Michael Warner. Will we start with Hutchinson, Sa- Sarmiento and Burns, three wide players? I mean, it, it it could happen in one of those three game weeks, but but Chaplin still still has the number ten shirt, doesn't he, Joe? Yeah, and Burns is still obviously he's noted there. Burns is still so important, and Chaplin and Burns have such a such a good understanding, don't they? And Broadhead is playing well, but we we certainly have options there, don't we? And I say I, I don't think anyone I don't think anyone would worry what team McKenna names at the moment. You know what team he names is is the best team, and it might not be the best team to start the game because he's planning on bringing on players to try and win the game at the end. But yeah, he's just I've ne- like I say I've never been in a position where the manager just has so much trust with with everything that he does. Eric Plaxton, we talked about him a little bit. Travis, um, he likes him. Um, what are your um, early impressions of him, Craig? Fair, I think we're all in agreement that he's imp- improved our our midfield. Um, but yeah, he's, he's but he's no Sam Morsey. No. no, absolutely not. And and that's one of the things Morsey was talking about last night was that he was just pleading for somebody within that team, certainly in the first half, just to have not necessarily have the bravery, but just having that opportunity just to take it past their man, just to drop a shoulder and get it past that first man. Cause as soon as you get past that first man, then the game opens up because everyone's man for man and you're, you've got a spare man all of a sudden, but that's, that's not going to be Travis's game when we knew it wasn't, but what he has done, he's just added a bit of solidity. Certainly in the game against Sunderland, he was, he's chucked himself into a, some good tackles. He was winning the ball, nicking it off of people. He was also just getting slight little nudges and blocks in off the ball and bits of that, which will come with, 200 odd games of championship experience so yeah he's a he's an ideal an ideal um addition to a central midfield hopefully for the for the rest of the run you know it's just the sort of the sort of player you want in and a similar ish sort of player to Johnson at Sheffield Wednesday you know I get another guy who's been around the block knows the championship has played umpteen hundred games in the championship in league one it looks like it's potentially those type of signings will be dotted around just to uh Gets between gets to the end of the season. One of the one of the things I would note with Travis though is that when Sam Morsey signed here, he was seen as a good leader, mm. a defensive midfielder without really much more to his game than that. I don't think anyone expected him to turn into the footballer he's been since he's been here. I think we all knew he was going to be the leader, the the hard man, the tackler, the standard setter. But Lewis Travis was captain at Blackburn. He's what twenty six. He played. He's probably played more championship games than Sam Morsey has already in his career. Is he somebody that maybe has that similar ceiling that can be coached to do what Sam Morsey's doing here? Is that something that McKenna maybe sees in him that could could go that way? I say we don't know, but like I say we we know how much McKenna has improved. Well, and his team have improved every single player here. Is Travis going to be another one of those that reaches a ceiling that many people maybe didn't even think he had? It'll be interesting to see, won't it? Horse Hollerer says we're playing Norwich in the playoffs, aren't we? You'd, you'd be up for that, wouldn't you, Joe? Get the pink Stone Island jacket back on. <laughs> Get down there, yeah. No, I I can't think of anything worse than playing Norwich in the playoffs again. Okay, you're not not out for revenge. Um, uh, Horse Holler again says he feels bad for Maidstone with Morsey chomping at the bit and maybe a new number nine to bed in. We may end up putting an even stronger team than the one that played against Leicester. Yeah, what sort of team are you expecting um, on on Saturday against Maidstone, Craig? Just another hybrid team like the one we saw at Wimbledon. It's probably expect to see Tuanzebi come back in, um, probably at, at fullback. Mm. Um, it'd be good to see um, some minutes for players like Humphreys, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Ladapa won't be playing. I'll tell you that. Um, I think. Yeah, we, just referencing back uh, the question in regards. To, um, Hutchinson, Sarmiento and Burns all playing. They may well all play on um, on Saturday because um, you, you know we're not we're not blessed um, with many numbers up there. And you, you may want to rest um, Chaplin. I wouldn't be surprised if Broadhead starts up front just to give him a, a start and then get him off after 50, 60 minutes. Um, it, as you as you say, Mike, it'll be a, a similar team to what's, what's put out against Wimbledon. Just um, getting some minutes into the legs of the guys that haven't. Morsey will be playing. You would have thought from the start, gets a knock some rust off him by clattering into a few non-league players. God help him. Um, 
and yeah, hopefully we. I think Joe said in Telegram earlier, if or it may have been Rich. Sorry, apologies. If we can just put the put the game to bed, fingers crossed, we can put the game to bed after 50, 60 minutes. You can then sort of manage the the rest of the game out, can't you? Yeah, and uh, speaking of um, Maidstone, we're going to do a pre-match show live on Thursday at eight PM. Please join us. Um, we're going to have Steve, the Maidstone fan, um, joining us for that one, which is which is exciting. And the flagship show talking about that game. I think at least one of you. I think both of you might be back um, for that on Sunday night at eight PM, reflecting on on hopefully an FA Cup win, and then we'll be hopefully talking about um, who we want to play in the in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. And ahead of deadline day, um, we're likely to go live. When is that, Craig? Is that the first? Yeah, it's the Thursday, isn't it? I think Thursday the first. And yeah, you're potentially going to be going live um, with Joe, aren't you? Hoping for some excitement as the window slams shut. Um, yeah, don't if really not, want things going down to deadline day, do we? But no, we don't. No, we, if everyone wants to like bring their toys and quiz books and stuff, we can just have a, an hour or so just asking each other trivia questions and stuff like that, right? You know, because our business had been done around about lunchtime and the lights have gone off at, at Portman Road. It it, it um, hasn't been the way that we've worked previously but now as everybody knows um we're now on the what 23rd 24th of january tomorrow and we're still waiting for at least one striker into the building so the next week you would have thought it's going to be absolute bedlam all over the championship yeah hopefully that that answers paul westgate's question do you think it will speed up a bit now dominoes starting to fall what do you think joe yeah i think there'll be more more happening in the last week of the window than the sort of previous three and a half weeks combined. It is everything always, it either happens right at the start or it just drifts that little bit in the middle of the month. And then it just, everything just ramps right up at the very end of the month. And that's the, the stage we're getting into now. Uh, another one for you, Joe. Uh, Jason Clayton asked, what is happening with Fladke's contract? Any, uh, any whisperings there? I imagine we're in negotiations, aren't we? Because there's been a couple of times as agents come out and said a couple of bits, a couple of links elsewhere. So I imagine it will be getting worked on and yeah, you're going to be tying him down to a long deal, aren't you? A good three-year contract or so. And he's he's deserved it. He's been superb. I'd imagine he'll be getting a pay rise of some description. <laughs> well earned mm-hmm. um, these last few months. Sam Jolly... Uh, just how far up the pitch do we think Vaz can get? Is there a bonus at play for a touch in the opposition half? Could happen, couldn't it? Yeah, it may well happen. Well, no, he's not going to play at the weekend, is he? So it may well have happened at the, at the weekend. Um, but it, but that was one of the things to point out from yesterday, wasn't it? It's, they were allowing him the ball. He was just edging out of his box a bit further and a bit further. Was in the in the first half, um, and he just and as we know, in certain games he'll sweep up and he'll be ten yards away from the, the halfway line when he's bringing the balls down out the air and laying it off to the, uh, the midfield. Class act. Just mm. an incredible arc that he's had at this football club over the last few months, isn't it? Uh, so, Zorro Dark, with the town scout being seen at Blackburn, reportedly, do you think we're going back in for, for Gallagher, Joe? Do you think that one might still be alive? Yeah, it's well. We, we we he is our top target. It seems at the moment, so we will be pushing that one until it has come to a definite conclusion. And it doesn't seem like it's at that at the moment. Interesting, Norman Greenwell. Will we have to wait until deadline day for our striker signing? What do you think, Craig? It'd be great for your show, won't it? If if we do sign a striker at yeah. Exactly. Uh, I just, eight o'clock on deadline day. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say exactly that. You've got like 10,000 people watching as we're breaking the news that uh, <laughs> we've, we've, signed, uh, we've signed Dane Scarlett on loan for the remainder of the season, um, <laughs> which I think is currently a very, very, very strong possibility. Um, let's, hope, let's hope not, Norman Crikey. Let's hope we can get to the weekend and get Maystone done and then there'll be an announcement after Maystone that XYZ are, are signing ready for the for the first game after the transfer window. Fingers crossed. Um, I'm going to come back to you for this one, Craig, after your trip to Turkey in the summer. Did Travis <laughs> and Starmiento have the best teeth we've ever had at ITFC? Can you think of any other examples of, of Ipswich players with fantastic smiles? Eric Gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, what, 
It was I'm trying, Steve McCall when he took it, when he took the front ones out. Um, it was never a thing in the era of Lyle. You know, people didn't have teeth like this. Now they are, these are glowing. These are almost Bobby Firmino blue, aren't they? These these yeah. guys have teeth. They're quite something, aren't they? I, I thought it, it almost looked like a porcelain gum shield. It looked like it was it was incredible. A good band then, Porcelain Gum Shield. I saw those at uh, Glastonbury once, and it's it's also the eye. It's the eyes as well, isn't there? Both of them again, Harness and Simon. Their eyes, your dreamy eyes. Beautiful boys, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Bradshaw. Shout out to Edmondson. Um, he's just slotted in and done an awesome job. What a pro after such a long time out of the first eleven, Joe. I think again, this is testament to just the way that they've managed the whole squad. There doesn't seem to be any. Any bad eggs, um, players like Pladke, for example, just knuckled down and was just a really good deputy for Walton. It looks like that's happening the other way around now. Um, players that don't play a huge amount and then they come in and they make a big contribution. Caden Jackson, another one. But yeah, Ed- Edmondson is who we're going to talk about here. He's been excellent, hasn't he? Yeah, and I guess because he played two games and he played against Hull and against Plymouth in the league and, and he acquitted himself well both times. And but he's been a revelation almost. He's he's been back to as good as he was when so because there was probably a time under sort of Paul Cook and the early Kieran McKenna reign where he probably looked like he could be the best signing we made. And that's somewhere we made twenty one signings. I think you could have said that at one point George Edmondson was looking like he was going to be the best yeah. signing that we made that summer, and now he's probably yeah well down the list below probably 10 other players even almost there who have just stepped on ahead of him but you know, he's coming in has been superb and I I don't know does Cameron Burgess come straight back into the team when he gets back in because I think if I was George Edmonds and I think well I've got the shirt now and you need to come back and win it off me and I think that just shows the fact that that's even a conversation shows sort of how well he's done because Burgess has also been superb this season and stepped up brilliantly. But Hedmondson just gives us that extra, I don't know, just that little bit of extra drive, gets on the ball well, drives forward with it himself. And like I said, we're talking about the the goal last night. He's overlapping past Leif Davis for the goal. And it's just, I don't know, he just, yeah, looks really good. He's a good good talk on a pitch, good leader. No, really pleased with him. And our our centre-back options are looking really sharp, aren't they, with Wolfenden and Tuan Zabi on one side and Edmondson and Burgess on the other. And it was quite it's quite interesting and quite telling that when the those very slight rumours started coming around about Portsmouth um being interested and in obviously dropping down to League One, I think he was asked, potentially by Brenner on Suffolk, I can't forgive me, I can't remember, but he was asked about it and he said, Well, why why would you want to leave? Why would anybody want to leave the club right now? And you know, that just goes that came from a guy who's barely played a, a minute of league football up to the turn of the year, you know? And so it just goes to show the the um, atmosphere around the club. And as Joe was saying, and you were saying, Mikey, about having keeping people invested and interested, even if they're not in that first 11, just goes to show behind the scenes what a job that is being done. Absolutely. Uh, Michael Warner, Joe, um, have we any youth team players that, that can step up? We've seen Boabo get minutes i think is it chirera um the the player that moved on to wolves got premier league minutes last night didn't he congratulations to him yeah and i guess probably looking at it next one in the line who's coming back from a sort of relatively serious injury sustained at yeovil on loan last year is edwin agbaj who's a right back he played in the pizza cup away at cambridge last year i think he played a couple of times now so i wonder whether he he might be one that sits on the bench to cover the right-back position if Tuan Zabie plays there at the weekend. He's, he's probably one, if we're going to name nine subs and have two or three youngsters, it'll be him, Buabo, and I don't know, maybe sort of one more random one other than that. Andreas Christensen, when is Hurst expected to be back? It's probably April, isn't it, Craig, I think? Well, yeah, well, in- interestingly, in, in McKenna's post-match, I think it was his post-match interview with Sky last night, I watched at some point today. He was saying that, oh, you know, it's a, he's talked about the result and the performances recently. He's, you know, we're missing Hurst. He said he's going to be out for the season. And then he sort of corrected himself and said, oh, uh, the vast majority of the season. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking for much, if anything, from George Hurst, sadly, now until we get to, as Joe said, Norwich in the playoffs, maybe. Hmm. Uh, David W., what, what would you give for a prime Daryl Murphy signing <laughs> in this team? Yeah. 
an absolute um, unicorn. But I guess Murphy, the thing was, is that he'd never done it before, had he? So sometimes things click. Maybe there's a player that hasn't scored a huge amount of goals that we can get in the building and, and it'll all just click for him under, under Kieran McKenna. Um, but yeah, maybe not quite Daryl Murphy 2014-15 levels. That was pretty ridiculous, wasn't it, looking back? Um, Patchen Knight Badger says Boabo looked excellent in those in those five minutes. But yeah, he got some minutes against AFC Wimbledon. I expect he'll he'll hope to get a few more against Maidstone. Uh, who Romeo informs us are currently drawing one one against um, Braintree Town. So your neck of the woods, isn't it, Craig? Uh, yeah, not million miles away. I, I would imagine um, that there's a few Maidstone players not going fully into tackles at the moment against Braintree Town. Wrapping themselves up in cotton wool for the uh, for the weekend. There's probably at least one Ipswich player in the Braintree Town team as well. I think Matt Ward is on loan there, and I think one of the Barbrook brothers brothers was there as well. I don't know if they but if if they still are. Lovely stuff. So yeah, we can we can relax a little bit now, can't we? After after those difficult games, and we can look forward to to Maidstone. As we mentioned, there's going to be a pre-match show um, on Thursday night at eight o'clock, looking ahead to that one with a Maidstone podcaster who's going to tell us what we can expect. And yeah, this is going to be, the, I think, arguably the biggest biggest match of um, their history so far. So a really exciting one for them and hopefully a, a decent crowd at Portman Road on Saturday. I presume you're both going? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Forward to it. Yeah, I'm going as well. Um, different... Um, very different type of game, but one to look look forward to for other reasons. But yeah, thank you everyone for watching. Please give us a, a like on, on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing and, and all of that lovely stuff. Join us on Telegram. Um, and yeah, have a look out for, for the next couple of shows coming up. We've got quite a lot coming up by the sounds of it. And um, with plenty of involvement from these two people um, on my right. Craig, as you were there last night, you could do the final word. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I won't sing. Um, I, I actually one little point. Um, well, that's Sully, why I went to you. <laughs> yeah, it ain't happening, mate. Not with my voice as it is at the moment. Um, Sully mentioned earlier whether um, Sarmiento had ever heard of Pilot, who are the uh, singers of the his current song. I just like to point out. Not only got his song from is it the seventies? You got Nathan Broadhead's song from the eighties and Con Chaplin's song from the eighties. You know, all you Abba. new kids that's on the cool. block need to start getting your act together and stop relying on the music from the, the decent eras. Um, anyway, apart from that, yes, um, oh. <laughs> look, look forward to the weekend, everybody. Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.